Welcome, friends, to the Enduring Gifts of Marvin Gaye podcast. Brought to you by your 26-year listening veteran, Jessica. Join me as we celebrate these enduring gifts, the songs of Marvin Gaye. In each episode, I will share insights about the music and recount life experiences tied to it. I'm hoping to inspire you to take a first or your 500 first listen to these songs that are truly the enduring gifts of Marvin Gaye. So I'm going to focus on the song Come Live With Me, Angel. Second song from the I Want You album, released March-ish, 1976. I, I think it said March 16th, let's call or March 26th. I thought it was a March 6th date in 1976. And I got a little bit more of the background on the whole entire um, writing and producing process of the album. So yes, it was... Leon Ware's brainchild. It was his project. And supposedly, you know, that's what I, you can find one article and it's written one way and then another article and that same little information is tweaked another way. But let's just always keep it at supposedly. Um, he bumped into Barry Gordy and see now I've heard this before and I didn't hear the Barry Gordy involvement part before but what I had most recently read is that he bumped into Barry Gordy and then Barry suggested that actually Leon Ware should let Marvin sing these songs um versus him moving forward with singing these songs then uh, that doesn't match my memory of before uh anyway so then marvin and leon get connected and they take more time to record this album than the amount of time that we had for what's going on right what's going on was 30 days well that just goes to show where we are at this point in marvin's career from what's going on because what's going on is that very first project where it is all marvin he gets to have the full say and the control over the production process, the writing process, the instrumentation process. And that was a very high pressure. Um, let me make this almost as impossible for you to do to see if you can do it and if you're ever going to be able to do it again. And when he pulled it off and it's like the world's masterpiece, um, he got to have the ability to work like that going forward. So we are in 76. This is five years from what's going on, but this is 16 years into the game for Marvin. And so that being the case, what we experience with Marvin in this album, let's just go in sequence, right? Because we are fast forwarding. We're skipping over a couple of albums to get here, but that is only because that was my personal um, experience in being exposed to Marvin's music. I went from what's going on to I want you. <laughs> so, uh, but if we go in sequence of where Marvin is vocally ev evolution wise from just one of our, you know, last episodes, which was the soulful moods of Marvin Gaye's very first album. 
From 61 to 76, 15 years into the game. This is five years since um, what's going on. Marvin is singing with that thing. And his what I mean by that is his voice. You know what I'm saying? He's singing with that thing in a way that makes you. Okay? And what I mean by that is like, Marvin is singing with this thing on this album. And I really do feel this album is the first time he's putting that thing on us the way that he does. Like, okay, because, you know, he put that thing on us in a way in 71 in those 20 seconds of Save the Children. He's putting this thing on us in a totally different like I said before, element of himself. And it make, I don't, it, I said it makes you, let me keep it very personally. It makes me, okay. It makes me breathe a little bit differently. It makes me get a little bit of a shiver. It makes me, um, yes. Okay. So <laughs> he's, uh, he's playing with us with this thing and just like, so, how I'm going to categorize this and, and my man categorized this for me the best that I ever heard it because he said it and then I just had to like I sat there and I thought about that for a couple seconds and I was like wow this man just simply said like the, about one of the truest things about Marvin period and it comes from that documentary of Marvin um, the American Masters documentary which is on my Pinterest videos board the pinterest page videos board uh mid 2000s cbs cbs pbs american master series did uh there an episode focused on marvin and they're interviewing in the course of that documentary this this black dude he's a music journalist i don't know his name uh you see him on every type of a documentary about black music though you you know that man he's in everything and they came into him and he said this and i was like my man just said it but it's a fact he said there is nothing sexier than marvin gay and uh, um i feel like the hardest core first time that Marvin like really puts that on us and you know what I really would say like this is the project in his career the most that he puts that thing on us in this way in the there is nothing sexier than way uh, because Marvin is um working that thing doing things with that thing uh and it just, it, it makes you, you know what I'm saying? It makes you. And so very much in this song do I encounter that. And I'm going to be very specific with you because I would like for you to be able to experience it too. So, um, yeah, you know what? I'm going to actually pause this right here and then I'm going to get a pad and pen. Here's my pen. And I'll get my pad. And I'm going to now study this song for the minutes and seconds that Marvin makes me with that thing. 
in this song because on the project, this is the first song where he begins to just really work it out with that thing, his voice. Uh, but I have one minute and second little segment of time that I know I'm thinking about, but as I, why I can't even just spout that out first is because I know there's a couple of times before that, that he's done a couple of things that very much are like, excuse me, Marvin, just based on what you're doing with that thing, you ain't even using words. It's just what you're doing with that thing. You're making the MPAA rating on this shit become, you know, this is not for minors. <laughs> so let me go uh, just jot all of those down so that we can discuss correctly. But um, yeah, so I'll be right back. Okay, I have read and studied as much peripherally that I'm going to about this song. I find that very distracting. I have to admit, like, I just don't like articles that are written about Marvin Gaye's music. It's And it has nothing to do with Ritz. It's just people don't write in a very cohesive, thorough from the perspective that the reader was not there previously, you know what I mean? Like I need to write this for somebody that I need to give them all of the information. <laughs> and it's just, so I feel like whenever I read these articles included in Marvin's uh, releases, it's just deciphering so much stuff. It's such a deciphering process. And that's why it's like, it is distracting because I just need to push. Now that has all just become a pile of bullshit and I just need to push it all aside. And truthfully, the only place that I really give a fuck about coming from and speaking to you guys is my take on things. Because you know why? It's like all of that shit that I just read is someone else's take on things. And my takes don't match other people's takes a lot of the time. I think I go a little deeper, right? So like, eh, I don't have time. I don't need that in my mind. And now let's just talk about the song. So I listened through at a minute and 20. He does a little Simone Biles record breaking quadruple flip never been done before thing with the voice. The, the thing in this song is that voice the voice is just this thing and he's working with it he's doing things with that thing that just make you so and all right so at a minute 20 he does this little flip around the note thing and it is for the second too but look at that get to a minute and 20 in this song Prior to fully on to 121, he has just flipped around on this note. And you're like, what? And yeah, so then at a minute 44, through about a minute 48, he's just sliding down the firefighter pole. Sexiness, strength. <laughs> he's just doing this thing that always makes me breathe a little different after those four seconds because it's just like uh -huh. Marvin the inappropriateness on this album if there is any 
Because, like, I just, uh, the previous episode, it's subjective. It's how you do whatever you do, okay? So, but it is, it's the way that Marvin is using this thing. It's just, and so this was something that I just picked up. I probably have spent the past 20 minutes now just listening to the song while I was also trying to read shit, which I didn't need to do. But it's that song, this song very much in particular is a very multi-layered song just via instrumentation and then the layers of Marvin's voice as well. But that's what I really enjoy about a good Marvin Gaye uh, song. It is a vocal experience with him. That's I just enjoy vocal experiences of Marvin's music um, because you can just invest. You can just get into it because you know who that is on that level, like three levels back right there on that vocal. That's Marvin. Okay. So just feel free. You know what I mean? To just fully get in focus where you want to focus. Did you just hear that? And that's what I love about up in the ante on the quality of your headphone game, people. I swear, when you up the ante on the quality of your headphone game, you're going to hear something for the first time that you have listened to this song for 20 years. Did you ever before hear that? And that was just Marvin. And so, yeah, that's, I'm serious. That is the vocal experience in this era, this mid 70s era of Marvin's music is it's such a vocal experience it is so coming at you multi layers left ear right ear four layers back up in the front flowing and inner looping and twining with each other all the way around you and all of that is Marvin it's so time consuming Because you could just, you know, what are you going to pay attention to this listen of the song? And then I'm going to go through and I need to listen to this version and element of the song the next time. So, yeah, uh, those are the highlights. Oh, then at like 2.20ish, he does another little flow with the voice with that thing. Um this song is a really, really long prime example of this Marvin blow that I was talking about in the very, very first episode of this series, Marvin blow, where it's not a lyric, you know, it's not a word, but it is a definite sound and it is to be focused on. It makes an impression in the song, it is as much a part of the song as a word that was spoken. Uh, and so, yeah, this is a very prime example of that Marvin Blow because if I mentioned writing my little sister back and forth to school and this being one of my favorite songs on the album, so we're always hitting up this song in the car drive, but then it gets to this part in the song that little six seven year old little girl doesn't need to be just hearing that that doesn't need to be getting infiltrated over to her so I'm always hitting the for fast forward button but 
just now I was not fast forwarding through that. And it's like, yes, it's on one side of your ear is the stuff that a little six or seven year old doesn't need to hear. But if you're paying attention, what is really flowing through that whole segment of time is literally Marvin is blowing. He's blowing in and out and up and down and through and it's just, but the whole entire time, he's not saying a word, but he's just blowing. And I'm just telling you, it is the rating on this song is not for minors, but it really has to do with that thing. It's just that thing. And so if I told you that this is feeling a little weird to me because of how by doing this podcast, I've been going through the career, right? And kind of as I've hit any one song, it's a little bit necessary to talk about what happened just right before that and maybe what was on, you know, the horizon to come. And so, you know, that kind of keeps you in a straight line. And when you're going through that straight line with Marvin to, and then as I also though, in a next episode, I'm skipping you like 16 years ahead, because right? It's just only been two episodes back that we were covering Marvin's very first album out of the gate. And then now just two episodes. Well, and then honestly, the very next episode, right? Because then I went straight into I Want You. We fast forwarded 16, 15 years ahead. And we are dealing with a 100% different level of Marvin. And it is this thing. It's this voice. So that's what I was really just reveling in and listening and studying this song just now, getting those minutes and seconds for you. Where, what am I pointing out to you people? I'm pointing out to you Marvin's voice. Okay. In this project, Marvin very much approached this entire project. That's what I did just glean from the reading around that I did. Marvin approached this entire project from the perspective of bringing his voice to this project. It is correct. This entire album was done by Leon Ware and T-Boy Ross. And I don't want to say done, but it was their brainchild. They were still working on it. They were in the middle of still working on it, writing it, singing it, orchestrating it. And then it did come across Barry Gordy's, you know, attention. And then Barry wanted to suggest that Marvin take a listen to it and that possibly Marvin could just kind of elevate this thing to no offense, you know, and I'm sure that's how he had to explain it, but to like where it's fullest potential could be reached. And so then, um, as I am looking through the writing credits, let me do that for you right now. And I'm going to do this the proper way. Cause I've done this now, this episode a couple of different times. I just haven't really liked the focus that I had on things. Let me see. Where is it telling me something easily about writing credits on this song? Let me see. Does it tell me right here? Nope. All right. Well, there's how many songs do we have on this album? 11, right? Just 11 kind of all together. 
through intro jams and just little instrumentals. But let's see here. I'm going to tell you the number of songs that Marvin Gaye wrote on, and I'm going to leave it at that. And I defy you with me only giving you the number of songs to hone in on which ones they were. So Marvin Gaye on this 11 track album wrote on one, two, three, four, five out of 11. Marvin's primary focus in, in the, the thing that he's working with, that there is no competition that, if we need to bring in like the best strings arranger and I need like the sickest bass players and guitar and drums and all of that. And then I also need the sickest voice coming in. Marvin's providing that is his contribution to this project. He didn't need to sit there and write all of this shit. He produced all of it and he sang all of it now and see that's what fucking frustrates me with ever looking at the um, credits on a Marvin Gaye album as well because you will get different listings different credits different places that you look even different places in the same album work that's why it's like guys your shit is not organized enough like if I was at a record company and I had something to do, I can guarantee you I would just be having shit organized and like things would just need to kind of all come to me. That is my job. Professionally, that's what I do. I put packages together. I am the point person that everybody gives me their shit and I might be getting shit from 20 different directions, but that's not going to work. We can't deliver our product, therefore, onto our client looking like it came from 20 different directions, okay? I take things from 20 different directions, and then I organize that shit properly so that it looks professional and correct, and then that is the final product that is delivered to a client. And so that's why it gets the fuck underneath my skin when just like I said, even within the same release of one album, as I'm reading through credits, I get contradicting information as to who did what on this motherfucker. I can't stand that. That is just not clean to me. So one place in this same package, I was reading that all vocals are Marvin Gaye. And that was why I was about to, to say something. But then as I kept reading through that same package at another spot, when it came to vocals, it was listing Marvin and a few other people. And so I'm just like, do you know what? I don't have time for that. Who the fuck sang the vocals on this? You know what I mean? And you guys need to have your shit organized in a way such that before it got into my hands, you had that shit figured out. Don't you fucking know who sang on this? Like, who did it? Either Marvin or Marvin and people. And, like, I don't really have time to not just concretely know that. Because what I was going to say is, like, the safety and the comfort and the just the gluttony that there is available is when you're into this segment of projects for Marvin. 
how he is at this multi-layering stage of his vocals that you really can just kick back and just it's everything that I said a few minutes ago you're just focusing to the left the right four layers back four layers ahead in the middle you're just surrounded and it's all Marvin and I love that I would love to think that it is that but I don't have time for oh actually you know that little part on this song isn't Marvin like well then fucking I need to know that like from jump because then I know not to get caught up into thinking that it's Marvin you know that's bullshit that's a little bit of bullshit though we don't have time for that we just need to know when's it Marvin and when's it not so but Definitely, like I was just explaining, this particular song has so many layers to it. And uh, I would say within the past three years or so, one day I was driving. I know I was driving to work, so it was in the morning. But I was listening to my streaming music service. And I think I must have had it on, like, the artist radio option, where now they're just going to kind of cycle in shit similar right but even when they do that they'll cycle in shit from that particular artist that from songs that might not be on your playlist and so that's what happened this time they pulled in a song of marvin's that was not on my normal playlist so i had never heard this song before and what it was was a live version of come live with me angel from had to have been his final um tour and I was sitting there listening to this for a couple of minutes because they really had a lot of just instrumental um, with it. It was, there was no vocal. And so I was sitting there listening to this and I was like, this is an outer space sounding song. What song is this? This is Marvin's music. I was just really, I was like, what is this song? It sounded so cool. It was just really, really cool, but it was giving me uh, Star Trek. Like, I was just in a spaceship, dude. And I was like, what song is this? And then they started to sing, and it was Come Live With Me, Angel. And so, actually, it was it very much put me in touch with the sound of the song. Like, it's like, wow, the instrumentation on this and an actual live version of it sounds a little bit different than the studio version just because of the lush layering like I just said so many layers of instrumentation and then that thing and you could just kind of really be focused the most on that thing but that thing is just surrounded by so many different instruments and layers and it's just such a full rich experience um yeah but when I was hearing it live, I really did understand that I was recognizing this. They weren't going like way off into left field doing like a remix of this song. It was the song. It just sounded a little bit more itself. It was a little bit more stripped down. And then, of course, at that point, too, Marvin wasn't singing around it. So... But it was like, wow, that song really does have an element of outer space to it. And it's really fucking cool. So, yeah, um, as far as like the kind of rareness of live of this album, I want to just kind of further um, discuss a little bit of what's going on because or what's going on, <laughs> not what's going on. 
discuss a little bit further. I want you because I was noticing this, like when I was remembering, I had one time heard come live with me angel live. I also remembered that I've only heard I want you. And I'm going to say this and I'm not, I was racking my brain as I was just saying that, but I really can't think of another version of it that I've ever heard. So I'm going to stick with this. I have heard, I want you live one time. And here's the thing with me, folks. Um, I don't widely listen to um, the live concert songs because there are many of them uh many of marvin's concerts from the final tour seem to have been recorded and are available um a lot of the times on anybody's package of marvin gay material you can come across these what they'll even label the whole album as the disc as is like a greatest hits and then you're you'll see like a, a multi-ranged track listing. So like from start to end of his career and you're like, okay. But then if you like even get a chance to preview the song, you're just hearing kind of live song after live song after live song. And it's usually a pretty poor quality sounding live audio track recording. And it's coming from those concerts from that final tour. And I just don't widely listen to those. I don't, I don't listen to those. So I do believe that there could be some I want you renditions from that time frame, but I just, that doesn't, I don't spend my time in those songs. So when I just kind of was racking my brain about, I've never heard I want you live before. I was thinking I might have to take that back because possibly once I have heard, I want you from that segment of recordings but it doesn't leave an impression a lasting impression and I know that like I want to say when I was like 27 28 I really became aware that I had not heard I want you live yet and you know what when I just said that age I think I know why I just said that because like I said, this is the third or fourth time I'm trying to record this episode. And so the very first time that I recorded the episode, I found for myself my um, DVD of this concert from 1981 of Marvin Gaye. And it's live in Belgium. And before I got my hands on my DVD, because I was recording and speaking and I was looking through my DVD collection and I was like, you know what? I feel like when he's singing the song and when he's giving that whole entire concert that he's playing, this is his concert that he's playing at the casino in Ostend, Belgium, when he's telling the dude in the tavern that asked him if he was from Paraguay. <laughs> and he told him that, no, he's from Los Angeles and that he was soon getting ready to play the casino there in Ostend, Belgium. And I was remembering that I've seen a concert of Marvin Gaye in the early 80s where he sings I Want You live. And that was my first memorable, love it, listen to it all the time, one and only live performance of Marvin singing I Want You. And so then I was like, but I know I have that concert on disc and I just I couldn't remember any of the details about it. And then. It took me like 10 minutes going through all my stuff 
And I finally pulled it out. And then I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what this is. Marvin Gaye live in Belgium, 1981. And I was like, is it from Ostend? Is that where he was doing it? And then I flipped it over. Yes. From Marvin's legendary 1981 concert in Austin, Belgium. <laughs> so, you know, that's awesome, dude. Because we see Marvin in that tavern with the locals in Austin. You know, they don't know who he is. They, for all they know, Marvin could be from Paraguay. <laughs> and that's cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, whatever. You know, they're, they're down to just talk to him wherever he's from. You know what I mean? But it turns out that we got to see him, you know, just those days before the concert. And then we actually get to see him doing this concert at the casino that he was telling homeboy, you know, come check me out. <laughs> And that is the one and only time that I've gotten this opportunity to see Marvin perform I Want You live. And it is absolutely beautiful. It's just gorgeous. And the arrangement of it is feels slightly different from the studio version. It's got a little bit different tempo, it almost feels like, but it completely really, really works. And I want to shout out, I have always loved this about this concert there's a couple of things i'm gonna shout out about this concert because this is just everything that i am talking about dude okay number one i gotta start with because i um okay just last night i put up onto the youtube channel for the song of the day this live version of i want you because i owed you a song i want you i always post the song tied to the episode. And so I owed you, I want you, but I was just like, I was like, I want to give you a different version of I want you, right? Because I know you've heard the studio version, but I was like, mm. and then I was remembering that that live version and it is the one really good crystal clear. And I love his delivery of it. It's a slightly different version of his own song but that's uh, Marvin is doing that and he's handling it beautifully and I was listening to it today I had it in my ear and all of a sudden hard in the song you're hearing this like a clap and just clapping is going on it's to the tempo but like hand clapping has just distinctively become a part of the song and i can tell you who it is in this concert marvin has these two they are the funkiest little background singers that you are going to find this lady's hair is everything in this concert dude she is giving you stevie nicks on like another level like just the body and the bounce in the hair, dude, it is everything. It is a Farah for your ass. And she is just singing her little ass off, too. And then there's this dude standing next to her. He's got these 1982. Well, it wasn't even 82 yet, dude. But it is where glasses were going to. I mean, they're a little bit above the eyebrow to just like right above the lip. But these glasses, <laughs> my man can see. Do you know what I'm saying? And he's standing there 
right next to her and they are doing their job singing the background vocals for Marvin's songs and they are losing their mind in I Want You. And you could just tell like this lady loves this song and my dude too, he's standing there giving it to you too. They do their job singing the background vocals for Marvin throughout this concert, but you can tell they're having a good time on I Want You. Okay, so that's one aspect of this concert. But then here is another very important aspect of this concert that I just have to shout out. So recently, I'd say in the past two or three weeks, um, I came across this documentary on the channel. I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce this thing. Kello? It's Q-E-L-L-O, right? And I'm sorry, words that have Q have a U. So it doesn't have a U. So I'm just like, is it pronounced Kello then? Anyway, there's some network called Kello and they have uh, live concerts. Like that's what they focus on. They just give you live concerts. And so in documentaries. So I had been searching for, it was when I found the Live in Montro concert. I also found this documentary on that network of Marvin. And so I watched it. And one of the people that they were interviewing in Marvin's life was the drummer that's working with Marvin in this concert. But where we first really get a good look at that drummer is from Richard Olivier's movie, Remember Marvin Gaye, where there's a scene that Marvin is rehearsing. I want you. Ah, that just reminded me I'm going to put today. Then I'm going to put that in the song of the day because that is the second time I do believe that I came across this little it's on YouTube and I did come across it for the first time on YouTube probably seven years ago and somebody had taken just like a four to close to closer to five there is a version of it I'm gonna look for that one there's a version that somebody clipped out of that entire movie that's closer to like a five minute little snippet because it starts with Marvin at the end of him singing um, the Lord's prayer in the church. And then it goes into, they're just recording Marvin in this band that he's put together to help him perform at the casino in Austin, Belgium. Right. And so they're practicing and they're just in their little relaxed situation. And this is the way that Marvin preferred, I have heard a lot to sing when he's in studio and he's just in some place. He's not on stage, right? He's just in some place. My man liked to lay down a lot. Like, I think like he kind of just preferred to lay down when he would be singing. <laughs> so, <laughs> He shows us that a little bit in this clip of them rehearsing. And so there's multiple clips of this. And then if you just watch the entire movie, like, okay, let's just talk about the entire movie. So there's like probably a five to six minute little portion of the movie where it just shows them practicing multiple of Marvin's songs, getting ready for this concert. They're singing some of the, they're singing some praise from in our lifetime. Um, they're singing, I want you, I feel like they sing um, some of the earlier, some of the 60s stuff. So they're just, you know, practicing the whole thing. But when it gets to I want you. Okay, so here's the thing that I have noticed as I'm searching for Pinterest. 
uh, images or just images of Marvin period, you know, I will come across pictures of people with a Marvin Gaye tattoo. I have wanted a tattoo of Marvin for, I would say 10 years for sure. I already have a tattoo, so it's not like I'm scared to get a tattoo. I have a tattoo. I just, I'm trying to decide where on me I want it. I want it in a place that I can always see it every day, right? So it's got to kind of be upside down for you because this is for me, right? Like I need to be able to see Marvin every day. I think I want it close to um, my wrist. I want it right there. You know what I mean? Like, and not on the top side, on the back side so that I can just kind of chill right there but I'm looking right there there's so many veins so I don't need Ooh, no maybe it has to be on the other side then <laughs> but uh yeah like and I know what it is I already know what my image is I just this is the thing I think I know this is the thing that has had me kind of hung up and hesitating and so I, if I get to the place that I'm actually going to do this I'm going to do it with a very detailed research search for a high quality tattoo artist first like I my shit would need to come out looking exactly the way the art that I've already found looks and I would need it to be correct right like because that's the thing as you as I've seen some of these images of Marvin Gaye tattoos it's like oh that doesn't look like Marvin <laughs> you know what I mean it's like bless your heart and you got more game than me because you got a tattoo about it there's some tattoo show right on TV. And one of the guys is saying like, if you can't back it up with a tattoo, then you can't even be talking about it. And I, that right there puts me in check. It's like, fuck, bud. Like I have got to get this Marvin tattoo like soon. Okay. Sooner than later. Because like, I already have picked out exactly what I want. So I just got to get it done, but it's got to be correct on me. You know what I'm saying? So that's my thing. I just need to take my time to like seriously research the sickest artist that I can find to do it for me. Um, but all of that was going around the world. And I'm just going to come back to um, what I remember that I was talking about. It's this dude that uh, is playing the drums in these, oh, uh, rehearsal sessions for Marvin. Why I got off on a tattoo is because the first second, the first time that I came across this rehearsal session, and then I became obsessed with it and I made it. This was the first time that I had liked a video in YouTube. I'm told you, this is like seven years back. So this was not at the time that I watched YouTube all the time. Like I had just happened to find this one time and I liked that video and I made it a favorite so that I could just easily access it. Like I didn't have to search for it every time. So I think if you like it, then it was in one little spot and I could just go to it. And I was like basically listening to this every night just to go to sleep. It was like my good night on Marvin. I've told you there has been a long portion of time that I just kind of need to listen to Marvin as I go to sleep. So I would be doing that. I would listen, I'd listen. And then it was just like, I listened to it enough. I had studied it to, there's the second, the minute and second where Marvin comes in on the vocal with I want you. And I love that I can explain that about Marvin. He comes in, right? He, that thing, that's how he's working with it. He's flying around with it, right? He's navigating it. He does things with it. So he comes in sometimes. And it was the way that he was coming in to the vocal on 
I want you in this rehearsal session. It is exactly the second that he starts to come in and then just for like four seconds from there. I was like, okay. It's because of those seconds right there that I am going to have to get this tattoo sooner than later. Like, there will be absolutely never any regret about inking myself up with Narvin, okay? Like, come on. It's just, it's absolutely ridiculous that I don't already have it. And like I said, I already have a tattoo, so it's not like, oh, I'm scared. I don't know about getting a tattoo and committing to a tattoo. No, fuck that. I want the tattoo. I just... It would, ha- it has to be perfect, right? Like that's where it would be the highest honor that I could be showing to Marvin. And so it just would have to be perfect. So like I said, it's just doing my research to find the sickest artist that I can find for it. Um, but yeah, it's like that right there, those seconds that Marvin comes into singing, I want you in this rehearsal session, cemented everything I needed to know and already knew about what's going on right here. But it was just like, Oh, Marvin. And then I love that we see him singing this. I love that we see him singing it because I could just as easily put only the audio up of it for you guys. But there is something about this one where you see him. And I have legendarily heard for years about this, the way that he lays down when he's singing. And they're like, only Marvin Gaye could do that. And I wanted to clarify something else that I have explained about the 20 seconds of power from Save the Children and how I have just made it a point and a point and a point to say it is a space and time. Like, we don't get that before and after of Marvin's strength and power like that uh, recorded. Where And this is what I just always want to keep clarifying it, where he loses his... Uh, sensibility of restraint. He loses his focus on, ooh, gotta kind of just keep that at like this level instead of pushing it all the pedal all the way down. My car has the ability to give me that. I, and I, it kind of scares me sometimes, but I'll be out on the highway and you'll just all of a sudden be seeing that you're coming up behind some semis and stuff, but I'm already doing the speed limit. Like the speed limit is 75, right? The speed limit is 75. So you got to cruise to be doing that. And that feels comfortable for me in my car, right? Because I know it's, it's, it's a convertible, right? Like, you know, I'm not trying to, that's the last that you hear of me, right? So I need to drive this thing correctly. It's got too much power. And so 75 is opened up though, right? Like you're cruising along right there. But then as I'm cruising along like that, and I'm not just like hogging the fast lane, right? But then I'm coming up against some semis and it's like, I don't want any rocks. I don't want any debris. So I like, I always just quickly as fast as I can, I need to get around semis and it it's nothing. And this is Marvin, right? It is absolutely not an effort. It's just the next thing you know, without focusing on it, right? That's what Marvin's voice was. Marvin was this thing, dude, it is this thing. It has got so much power. And it's not a thing for that power to be there, unless you're focusing on it. So that's why you kind of just have to be mindful of it. And so But I need to quickly get around these semis, though, dude. It's not a problem. And it's the next thing I know. You know, I'm going 20 miles an hour faster than I just was. But I am also 
like just they're zooming past me, you know, in the behind me, they're going rear view, rear view, and then that's done. I'm out of harm's way, and now I can slow back down. But it always astounds me, like just how very easily and without hurting my baby and without her having a ramp, you know, like when I'm driving my SUV, if I needed to, I'd be like, all right, you know, we got to kind of get a running start and I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to work you out a little bit here with my bad bitch, dude. It's like the next thing I know. It's like, ah, I'm going too fast and it feels like I'm flying. And that feels really fun, but I just don't want to drive this thing like that. It's too much, right? So I gotta, I have to be mindful of it because if I'm not, it would just be the next thing I know. That's Marvin and this thing. Don't get it twisted. I'm not at all trying to suggest, and I know that I have stated that over and over again. It's not a question of whether or not Marvin could have been in that 20 seconds the entirety of his career. Okay. He always just remained mindful of it though. And that's where I just focus in on that 20 seconds is because it is the 20 seconds where he lost focus and he didn't hold it back. He let it go. It went, and trust me, it was just that easy for him. It was the next thing you and I, for the first time are hearing this thing where it was like, Oh, are you fucking kidding me? No, he's not. It's not a joke, people. This thing is not a joke. Okay. And so the primest example of that is actually the live 1981 in Belgium, Austin, Belgium, at their casino where Marvin was telling homeboy in the pub that he's not from Paraguay. He's from LA. <laughs> And that's soon he was about to be performing at the casino. He is singing, I want you. And I'm going to now roll over into microphone technique. And then after I discuss microphone technique, I'm going to roll back over into the drum player from the documentary that I saw that is also in the rehearsal footage of Marvin singing, I want you, but microphone technique. So I learned that term just since I've been doing this podcast and so microphone technique, let me explain, um, hopefully the noticeable improvements in my microphone technique. Um, when I first decided to do this, you know, it's on a budget. It's what do I have in house that I can work with? And at the time that I decided I wanted to do this, what I had in house to work with is a little karaoke machine. And it came with about a $10 quality little microphone. And that shit is actually literally like hollow all the way around itself. And so the quality that that provides is a very plosive, rich experience for the listener. And what I mean by plosives is that speaking a word with a P or speaking a word with a D or a B and that little pop of breath that comes out. Um, when the quality of your sound recording equipment is shit, that hurts your ears because it just gives you this puff of air and this, it's a, a, like a ripple. It's like a scratch. It doesn't sound right. And so in my first probably five or six episodes, I was working with that little hollow as fuck $10 microphone. And I would spend four times the amount of time that the episode was editing, trying to go through, and as much as I could to not hurt your ears, 
reduce those plosives. And it was just painful. And it really was the most inefficient use of my time. And I was really to this place where I was like, mm, I don't know if this is really worth it. And I, but I had no idea yet at the time that that totally was coming from my microphone technique. Now I knew it was because that little microphone was a piece of shit, but I actually probably could have made it work better had I been using proper microphone techniques. So I want to shout this guy out because he's got a YouTube channel. He's got a podcast and he gives just amazing tips. His name is, he goes by the Shan man. That's all that I know him as is the Shan man. Uh, but he has a little YouTube channel that focuses on podcast tips, dude, because he is a real life, uh, disc jockey he works for a radio station in his town he's somewhere in arizona so he's and like he's really well known like he does um like heavy metal stuff and so you totally can tell he's like a heavy metal guy but he's it's actually kind of hot so anyway <laughs> he just gives really good helpful tips and i was watching his shit for a really long time not even knowing that i needed to learn anything about microphone technique and then just one time out of the blue like i was watching one of his episodes and it didn't say anything about microphone technique he just brought this up because I think he was doing a live. And so then he just all of a sudden explained that he gets trolled all the time on YouTube because whenever he's recording his videos, he always has his headphones and his microphone visible. Like that's how he records his stuff because he's got it all plugged into his mixer and he's got his levels just where he wants them. And so then that's creating the right sound experience for the listener. But he's really a proponent of like being able to hear yourself in your ear too. So I, I don't work like that, but, um, you know, there's investment in, in equipment for this stuff. And so he was talking about though, how he gets blasted because of the way that he speaks into his microphone. He always has his microphone to the side of his face. He is never speaking like the microphone is not, well, I don't want to say never, but it's not usually like right in front of his face. And he was just, ex and then he threw out, he's like, yeah, well, people, you know, they say that I don't know what I'm doing because I don't have the microphone. Like I'm not speaking directly into it, but he's like, it's actually better microphone technique for me that my stuff is over here on the side because he's like, that helps me to not, you know, give you guys plosives. He's, and then he demonstrated it. So then he just turned his face to the side and he started speaking directly into the microphone and like all up close to it like that. And it was just giving you plosive after. So he was like, you know, it, there's, it's a thing called microphone technique. He's like, the microphone is a resource. You know what I'm saying? Like your voice is, the instrument, the microphone is the resource. You got to just know how to properly use that thing to get the right end result that you're going for. You know, don't rely solely on that microphone. It is actually the way that you address it, the way that you come up to it, the distance that you have from it, you know, just properly using it as a resource and you did microphone technique. And I was like, that is sick. I was laughing. That was hilarious. But when he said that, I it immediately, I was like, oh my God, do you know who had the sickest microphone technique? Like who required because of that thing that he's working with the microphone technique that he had to have so that he didn't hurt our ears for us when he had to be relying on a microphone, like in a live performance for us, Marvin Gaye. And I would, the best example of his microphone technique is in this live in Belgium, 1981 concert where he's performing at the casino in Austin, Belgium. 
and he's singing, I want you. Okay, so now I will make sure that I put this video up on my channel because I think I just liked it, but I don't think I've saved it to my channel. So I'll put it up there. The video of just him singing, I want you. And watch my man's microphone technique. And Marvin spoke about this. And so actually now after I finish recording this episode, I'll follow up in the pre the next one because I know that I have from Marvin's words, uh, you know, come across him explaining his microphone technique and what it had to be. And, you know, I think maybe it was about at this point in his career, he didn't start out on the soulful moods of Marvin Gaye, having his microphone technique game up to where the sickness that it became once you can see him in 1981. So I'm going to put it up there, you guys, so that you can see him with his microphone technique. My man can only have his microphone um, a certain number of inches up to him, okay? Because of this thing, it doesn't take anything for him to the next thing he knows. He's going 25 miles an hour faster. Do you know what I'm saying? Like he's going 25 degrees harder with this thing for you. And if the microphone was in the same spot as it had just been 25 degrees less, like it's going to hurt your ears. The reverb on that shit. So he's got to just look at his arm. Just look at his arm action and the angle, the angling, the distance. He moves it all around. It sometimes it is up closer, but actually when you would think that he would need it the closest, watch how far away my man pushes that thing. The microphone technique is an art of its own, dude. The technique is up, it's down, and it is out. Like he pushes that shit farther away when Damn, dude, I, I, Marvin, I wouldn't think that right there you needed to push that shit so far away from you. It is sick. It's an art in its own. And by that phase of his career, he had mastered it and he, and he knew it. It's an art. It's as much of the experience of just the suit and tie that he's wearing and how fun my man is from head to toe is little dance moves. Right. And he's just singing song of my background singers. That lady giving you Stevie Nicks Farah to the ilt and the, my man's glasses down and right next to her. I mean, it's a full experience, but as much a part of all of that is any as, as anything is Marvin's angle of his arm way he moves that microphone just up down tilting it up and down and then in and out just watch the microphone technique dude so yeah um i think i'll okay okay i'm gonna wrap it up on my experience with marvin uh but let's go back to my drummer guy because i got to shout this out so the dude, right? Like when they're just in this little inside studio, wherever they're at rehearsing the song list for this concert, and mostly when they're playing, I want you, they show this guy on the drum several times. And then when it was actually in this concert, I noticed there's that dude. And then when I came across that documentary on Kello, um, they are interviewing this dude. Hold on, because I'm getting to a part where this app is about to start doing its beep and let's just spare all of us hearing that and I'll be right back with you. 
Hi, as long as I take a pause in the middle of an episode, it's to run an ad and obviously I have the potential to make a couple of pennies, but trust me guys, it's only pennies. I ain't quitting my day job. That being the case, I have to keep it tied to things that are three things that are for sure. Let me keep it very trouble, man. Lip care, hair care, and Marvin. So lip care wise, I came across this product line called Sarah Hap. They focus exclusively on lips. I'm using a daily lip scrub. It is a sugar-based lip scrub. I'm holding it right now. I use it every morning. Little dabble do you. It makes my lips feel so much better as soon as I use it. And then I immediately follow it up with their lip slip. It is the highest quality lip moisturizer I've ever come across. Then half black and half Mexican, when it comes to my hair care needs, they're out of control. I have been willing to spend way too much money for products that don't yield results. And finally, I came across the Shea Moisture Line. I can't recommend it highly enough. I'm finally getting the consistent results that I need without breaking the bank. And then the last daily need, Marvin Gaye. So what I'm going to do is put links in the show note of these products and it's going to take you directly to them. So here's the full transparency. If you click on my link and you buy the product, I'm going to get the couple pennies, but obviously that's not changing my life. So that's not what this is for. It has to be about therefore products that I totally swear by and totally recommend. I'm looking so forward to what Amazon has for October 18th. It is a remaster of the 19th 1972 live what's going on concert at the Kennedy Center. I'm getting mine. I hope you get yours. So take a look in the show notes for links for these products and let's just get back to the story. Bye. Okay, so they're interviewing that guy, the drummer in this documentary years later, and he speaks to kind of one of the main focuses of my episode 12, Inner City Blues. What do I focus on in that song? Uh, musicians and the ones that wanted to bitch and complain about, oh, this is why we just fucked up your live performance, Marvin, because we didn't get a whole lot of time to rehearse with you and how I don't really have time for that. <laughs> so, and I go off in that episode about that. Like I, as the listener and just my background in life, I don't got time for that shit. I, I can't even hear something like that. Like I can't hear that as a reason why this did not just come off seamlessly on stage. Okay. I, I don't have time for it. I don't, like I said, I don't know what Marvin's reaction to people was like that, but I don't have time for that. I don't give a fuck about wow, wow, wow. You think your excuse for why you just fucked this up is that you didn't have time in front of Marvin Gaye to rehearse with him. And this was, let me, in case you haven't heard that episode, cause that is in my highest listened to episode. Uh, you know what? Mm, I'm Marvin Gaye, bitch. Go get the record really quick and learn the fucking song. It's not, I'm not obscure. My shit is sitting out on, you know, record store shelves. Go buy a copy really quick. If you know you're about to perform live with me, um, learn my fucking song. You can find that shit. Okay. Me standing up here with you in order for you to do your part. Sure. It could be helpful and it could be beneficial. And I don't want to give the impression that like Marvin Gaye would just show up without having at all given people rehearsal time. Um, he didn't give people as much rehearsal time as they wanted period. Okay. But 
I have not yet heard of the experience where he didn't show up. But guess what? Like, I go back to even what the fuck I've just already been saying. I wouldn't give a fuck if that was a part of the story of Marvin Gaye. Learn his fucking music as the musician. That is your job. Okay. Your instrument and what you're playing and bringing it to the table correctly to the song in this live performance that we about are about to do is your job. Do it right. And so my man playing the drums went there and he talked about that and he talked about how, yeah, in this little tour that they were doing, cause I guess they did like a little European tour. They did a few cities, uh, you know, around this set list so that they were practicing for. And I think they maybe opened it or they closed it in Austin, Belgium. Right. And, um, you know, he was saying it was chaos and it was, you know, you didn't always get as much rehearsal time as you wanted and that you could have sat there and rehearsed it or whatever. And so then here even more is proving my point. Like, yeah, say like you have just had a really thorough rehearsal with Marvin, but once he gets on stage, he maybe wants to do the songs in a different order or he is going to just change things up a little bit, fucking follow along and be able to handle that. That's called being a skilled musician and my man speaks to that because he was just like hey you know what that just helped us get our chops together you know what i'm saying like that helped us take our experience our professionalism up to the next level he was like you just always had to be on your toes you had to be ready he was like you just had to know what you were doing right and so and he said like at the end of the day if there were mistakes that was on us right he was like it was either our fault or it was marvin's fault right like marvin was responsible too but he was like we just he was like every night was a different show you didn't really ever know what to expect but he was like they just had to be ready to go and do that so mm. <laughs> coming from somebody who was doing it with him, right? Like that's more what I want to hear, right? Like just have, you knew you needed to do what you needed to do. You have to have the skill level that you need to have at what you're doing. Bring that to the table. So, okay. Then I just guess I'm going to kind of end this all on my personal experience with Marvin. So like I have said, through this podcast, I have been going more in the straight line just for myself. Maybe it might not feel that way for you guys, but for myself, like as I have just gone to any episode, I am knowing what's going on in Marvin's career right before that and what's coming right after. And I'm studying that, right? Like I'm even studying it a little bit deeper than I ever have. And so definitely when I stepped back all the way into the soulful moods of Marvin Gaye and really, you know, several episodes on the What's Going On album and then my musical in, like I'm listening to those songs like th those are the songs that are in my playlist on repeat like I'm in that area of Marvin's career and so when I had been in the area for a few days on the first album because it's just so primal and beautiful and prehistoric and extinct do you know what I'm saying it's been quite the experience and you know to go from hearing Marvin that thing at that spot and then i'm doing this podcast series in the sequence order primarily of the way that i encountered marvin's music well okay that's two separate things right that is literally two separate things because there's the order that marvin you know went through his career and there's the order in which i came across marvin's music and it, it that is completely arbitrary in my experience only. I know that, like I have shared that in episode zero of this series, this is my, 
you know, very personal, my only experience of how I came across Marvin Gaye's music. Um, to go all the way back to the beginning and to hear the growth and just the 100% change and just the new place that we're at with Marvin from soulful moods to I want you. Oh my gosh, that's just like almost a mind break right there. You know what I mean? But for myself personally, the reason why there was no mind breaking going on at all, there was only security, confidence, and like, so there's this one channel that I am watching on YouTube. Oh my God, let me shout these girls out. It's first of all, their little show is called The Show, T-H-A Show. Tiffany and Tanea. The YouTube channel is called Bay Stan 87. I told you, I don't know what the fuck this Stan thing is supposed to mean. Because I just don't understand what it's an acronym for. Or like, you know, it's the abbreviation of this and the abbreviation of that. I don't understand what the fuck a Stan is supposed to mean. I am going to have to Urban Dictionary look that up. But they are humongous Beyonce fans. So I guess that, that makes them Bay Stans. Um... <laughs> They are giving you the realest shit out there. If you don't mind my mouth, you would love their content. And that's why I came across them on YouTube. And I was like, are they they able to monetize this shit? Because fuck and every single thing that they feel like expressing is coming out of their mouths on this show. And they're fucking hilarious, but they are giving you the realest thing on YouTube. And I, I am subscribed. I cannot get enough. Um, so yeah, check them out. Like if you're just looking for something that is completely real. And so basically what they cover is just the hot topics of the day too, but their episodes are usually close to an hour long because they're hitting you up like once a week or so. They do reviews on power also. So it's just, it is hilarious. It is real. Okay. There is just, that's just realness to the fullest. And I can't get enough. So, um, but one of the things that those girls said, talking about Beyonce, they are obsessed and, you know, they're known by Beyonce. So Beyonce has hooked them up several times to like, just be able to be front row center in concerts with her. So, I mean, you know what I'm saying? And that's what they go into is like, they just, Tiffany is the main one. And she'll just be like, she's so proud to be a bass stand. She's like, you know, like, I don't know whoever you guys are out here repping for and like who you're fans of, but just like, she's like, I'm just so proud to be a fan of Beyonce. You know what I'm saying? She doesn't ever, you know, make me have to feel embarrassed about her, how she's handling herself out here in social media she ain't a hot mess in the news headlines where you just gotta kind of always be defending the fact that you rep for (laughs) and she's just like so I don't know who like your people's favorites are but she's just like I am just so proud for who I am out here for you know what I'm saying so 100% for me that sentiment exactly is the only thing that I've ever known about Marvin and and my knowledge of Marvin did not have to do this 15 year long evolution process. I got, I, that's why I love, I am so proud. I am so confident. I am so proud to talk that Marvin is the baddest motherfucker that there ever was. And I, you know, there's no way on the planet 
that you're ever going to let me hear a snippet of anybody else before, since, after that will come. That's going to make me be like, oh, well, okay. You know, I'm never giving that up, dude. Proudest. Have the most confidence. Can just, let's have an hour-long conversation about this with Marvin Gaye. And I'm just so privileged and proud. And, you know, I get to kind of brag a little bit. The way that I got to come into knowing my man is I got to start very safely with what's going on. But that is a masterpiece work of art. Okay, that's like museum quality. He will be known for that. The world will know about that for generations to come. And then guess where I got to go right next after that? This thing level that he is doing, making me into the album I want you. That was my one two step. Okay, I started with what's going on and I didn't have to have a knowledge that by the time that I got to be experiencing Marvin Gaye at this thing level that's going on and I want you, that that is a result of like 15 years of evolution. I just got to dip into the next. I just got to taste that next. You know what I'm saying? Like I just I. When I, okay, so it's like I say all of that, I'm the proudest, I'm the most confident in my, you know, just repping for Marvin Gaye, but it's this too, and this has all been allowed by Marvin Gaye. I am like the world's biggest musical snob, right? Like I just have these tastes, okay? And they're only satisfied by this thing that Marvin is working with. He gives me this thing every day, you know? And it's just, it's like, it allows me to be a fucking glutton, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, I do. I'm a musical snob. I have the highest musical taste. Only Marvin will do for that. But I can get my everyday, all day long fill on that shit. There's no lack of supply. So, yeah. You know, so proud to be, you know, fan number one. I'm sorry. I, I, that popped out again. <laughs> For who I'm representing for, you know, and so, yeah, we'll keep going into this album, but yeah, this, it's a, yeah, <laughs> I'll be checking you guys out soon. All right. Bye-bye. Well, friends, that's it for this episode. Did we have fun? I had fun. <laughs> Subscribe to our show so you never miss the enduring gifts of Marvin Gaye. Follow us on Pinterest, pinterest.com forward slash Marvin Gaye underscore enduring underscore gifts. There, we are up to 45,000 views per month. I have thousands of images and videos of Marvin. Also, check out the YouTube channel, Marvin Gaye's Enduring Gifts. I'm building the song of the day playlist there. It's my ultimate goal to become your free online Marvin Gaye listening resource. So as always, we really appreciate your listening support. Give us subscribes, give us likes, and thank you for listening. Thank you.